0: Welcome back to the Novel Universe with your host Dawn. It's just Dawn today, and I will be doing my July wrap-up. All right, I read 10 books this month, which is not a record for me. A record is actually 12. I was able to get through 10 books because 7 of them I read on audiobook. I um, I work at a... I'm a librarian. I'm a teen librarian. And I do remote programming now for teens, and a lot of it is... Filming, crafting videos and making a lot of Instagram story game poll things. And so when I'm crafting, I have a lot of time on my hand. Not time, but I don't have to think when I'm crafting. So I'm able to concentrate on the audiobook. So I'm able to get through an audiobook a day or like a day and a half. If you are, you know, at work or you want to read more audiobooks, but you can't afford them because they are expensive. I do recommend that you check out your local library Chances are, your library has an app. Uh, our library uses Libby. A lot of libraries do, L I B B Y. You can download it on your phone and your computer and your tablet, doesn't matter. And if you download it on your computer, it'll go to your Kindle. You can have it set up so that it goes to your Kindle because that's how I read my books on the Libby app. Check to see if your library is on the list. If you don't have a library card, get one. Chances are, it's free and you can listen to a lot of audiobooks because of the coronavirus, a lot of libraries bumped up their ebooks and their e-audiobook collections because the library was physically closed and people couldn't come in and check out books, but they could check out online. So I know I I think at the end of like May and June, I think I spent like $8,000 on audiobooks when I normally only get like 3,000. So They probably purchased a lot, so I do recommend checking out your local library if you don't have enough money to pay for audiobooks or even physical books. All right, so that's my that's the end of my little whatever it's called, you know, what I'm trying to say where you get um valuable information the more you know, you know, that thing. Okay, so let's get started. The first book I read was One of Us is. One of Us is Next which is book two from the One of Us is Lying series and this is by Karen and McManus. I gave this a three. This time three teens are the main characters Maeve, Phoebe, and Knox. I believe it's only three and it's kind of the same storyline where there's a person who is I don't think anybody well somebody does die but the first book it was really like a like a mysterious murder, but this time it's not. It's like another person is making these truth or dare games. And if you don't do the the dare, then you get a, a really bad secret exposed. So it's kinda along the same lines. Um I I gave it a three. I think I gave the first book a four. This book was okay. For me, a three is not great. I know for a lot of people three is good. But for me, a three is like, oh, it's indifference. It's not bad, two is bad, but three is indifference for me. The characters were just okay. One of the characters is a, uh, well, she she thinks her cancers come back and then I'm not sure why that was put in the book. Uh, it didn't really do anything to the to the story. The big reveal, I thought was a good payoff. It made sense. I don't think there were any clues for you to figure that out though, but I don't know if this book necessarily is trying to do that. I think this is the type of book where you just go along with for the ride. You don't try and solve the mystery. If you, I think it's a good book for teens. If you're an adult reading teen books, which I am, you might get a little bored with it. It's like I said, it's okay, but I do think teens will like it, which is always, you know, that's my first concern is because I'm a teen librarian and I want to make sure it has teen appeal. So if you are a teen librarian or somewhere adjacent to that profession, and you're looking for good books for teens, I do think that it is a good book for teens. Okay, the next book I read is actually a series I read the truly devious series by Maureen Johnson. And overall, I think I'm going to give it overall a 3.9. I can't quite give it a four. I know the point nine is BS. But I can't quite give it a four because I had more issues than not. Especially the second book. I think I gave the second book a three and a half, but I gave the first book and the third book a four. No, I gave the first book a three and a half and the final to a four. Yeah, so I can't quite give it a four. All right, so I'm pretty sure you're familiar with this series. It's very popular. There's actually going to be a fourth book in 2021, assuming that... Earth is still here. If we are listening to this in the future, it is July 2020 and we are in the middle of a pandemic. So hopefully a year from now, I can go back to this and we're all still here. So this basically follows a character named Stevie. Stevie suffers from anxiety and she takes medication for it. And she has been invited to attend, uh, I believe the it's called the Ellingham, I should should be better prepared for the podcast, but, you know, this is me we're talking about. Yes, Ellingham Academy, which is a fancy high school where people of all um, economic situations can attend if they get picked. I don't think a lot of teens get the opportunity to go here. Stevie is, she likes uh, criminology, so she likes the serial podcasts and Sherlock. She likes solving mysteries. And there are two mysteries going on in this story. So there's the main mystery, which has happened on campus. There's a student who has died. And then there is the mystery of the founder whose wife was murdered and his daughter was kidnapped. And so there, the daughter was never found. And nobody knows what happens to the wife. So while Stevie's at school, she tries to solve both crimes. All right. So I'm going to start with what I didn't like, which is usually what me and Ashley do when we do our podcast. Uh, When it's both of us, we start what we didn't like and then we go into what we liked. What I did not like mainly is (sighs) this book is incredibly character driven. In my opinion, it's character driven. There's not a lot of action on the page. And because of that, some people might find it a little slow and a little boring, specifically teens. Teens, my teens in particular, my teen patrons, they love mysteries and thrillers. Every time I ask for what type of book should I buy, what type of books do you want, when I do any type of reader's advice or anything, they're always asking me for thrillers, mysteries, and horror. That's what they like. And they want action on the page. They're not really into character-driven stuff. They want to see foot chases and stabbing and fights and, you know, murder mystery stuff. They don't want, they don't care about they don't care. And it's some romance. They, they want to see stuff happening. And this book, although it does have some of it, it's really quite uneventful. Not a lot of like major stuff happens on the page, like action stuff. So I honestly, even though I have this series in my collection, I honestly would not give this to a teen. This wouldn't be my first book to give to a teen if a teen comes up to me and says hey I need some recommendations and my first question is what genre do you like and they say mystery truly devious is not the first book I'm going to give them only because it might be really slow maybe down the line if they come back several times and they want more perhaps but it's not going to be my first book that I give them the second thing that I had a problem with was the character development Stevie was okay I thought she was an interesting enough character like I said she suffers from anxiety but she takes medication so clearly she has seen somebody for it and she also um she also has like a breathing and accounting exercise she does to kind of get her through if she doesn't have her meds on her which is several times so she is an interesting character kind of She's nuanced in that she isn't the Maureen Johnson didn't make her out to be the I'm not like other girls trope when she very likely could have been which I appreciate but she wasn't like the other girls so Stevie was okay. The other characters were fine but they were a little bit not not boring but they were they just could have been punched up just a little bit. Just like Hayes could have been just a little bit better and Ellie could have been a little bit better and David was good, but he could have been a little bit better. Then there was Hunter, which I'm not sure why he was in the book. He seemed to serve no purpose. I don't know. I just felt like the characters just could have been just a little bit better. And I probably would have given it a solid four because this is a character driven book. Your characters better be freaking great and they could have been better. Um, another thing I didn't, well, I won't say I didn't like, but the issue I had was the actual murder part, (laughs) the actual solving of the murder. Um, as far as the murder on campus that was in present day, the motive was good, but the person who ended up doing it, I honestly didn't remember who they were. I was like, wait, who was that again? Is that a student? Is that a cop is that a teacher who who is that? I couldn't remember the person that could just be me though um, I was paying attention through most of it because I, I listened to the whole series pretty sure I was paying attention but this character like I said their motive was fine but the reveal was anticlimactic I was like oh okay <laughs> and this is not the type of book where the author gives you clues to solve it along with them it's more of It's more of a spectator sport. You're just supposed to watch Stevie do her thing. And then when the big reveal comes, you're supposed to be like, "Woo!" you're not really supposed to try and solve it with her, which is fine. I prefer the prior. I like to have clues and try and solve it. But being a spectator, I have no problem with that as long as it's a good show. And this show was just okay. What I did like about it, I liked the friendships and the, book I thought all of the teens had um a really good friendship the romance I thought was okay um it was no insta love not really there was like insta attraction but there was never any I love you it was none of that bs yeah that's really all I can say they had really good friendships the oh I forgot to to talk about the Ellingham murder so the murder that took place in the 30s I felt like like, in the first book, I was interested. The second book, I could give a shit. In the third book, I was like, ooh, okay. And I felt like I wasn't really invested in the Ellingham murder because it would switch back and forth. So Stevie is, like, going through, going through old books and old, like, police interviews and trying to solve that case, too. And it's just like, MN, well, I saw her walking down the street. Police Detective Smith, when, what time was that? MN. 5pm it was like that back and forth stuff and I'm like I'm not invested in these characters to care I don't care and then when we did finally get some characters that were worth caring for in the third book she didn't really do anything with it so one character that I liked a lot was Frances and I'm not sure if Frances was in the first or second book but she was in the third book and I liked Frances a lot but not much was done with her so I was like oh Well, when I did finally start to get interested in the murder and the Ellingham murder, once again, the reason for it and the execution of it was okay. The motive was okay. It was actually really sad. I'm not going to lie. Like the Ellingham thing actually ended up being better than the campus one. Because at first I was like, I don't care about the Ellingham. I just like the campus kids. But then I kind of switched and it was like, oh no, the Ellingham is much better. But... I don't know. It was just okay. Um, so, but before, as I was saying, I don't know what teen I would give this book to. And that I think is a problem. So I, I, there is another book coming out. I don't, obviously it's going to be a teen book because it's the first three were teen books. But I feel like Maureen Johnson should have either, it's, I feel like this book is in limbo. It's like not enough action for a teen to stay interested, but not enough character development and like conversation, like really in-depth, com- insightful conversation for an adult to be like, oh, this is great. It's like right in the middle somewhere and I feel like she needs to make a decision. Either they need to make it a teen book and have a little bit more action or make it an adult book and like ramp it up. But I still recommend it regardless. Okay, the next book... I read, what am I going to talk about? The Bromance Book Club by Lisa K. Adams. I read book one and book two. Uh, We read this for the novel universe, Ashley and myself, my co-podcaster, and I read this for Romance Month, which we called for July because nothing gets published in the summer and we needed something to read. So yeah, we read some romance, which neither one of us really reads. I gave the first book a four and the second book a three and a half. I will link the full podcast to book one in the show notes, so that because I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, we already did a whole podcast on it. So you can go click on the title in the show notes and listen to the entire podcast if you want. I actually did like the book. I thought it was funny. It's it's very rom com like, which I I like rom coms. The second book I didn't like nearly as much because. If you are familiar with the series, the character of Liv is the main character in the second book. And in the first book, Liv was okay because we got her in small doses. She was kind of bitchy. And we got her in small doses in book one. But in book two, she's the star of the show. And it was a little bit too much Liv. And so I didn't really like her. I liked Mac a lot, but I didn't like her. So she kind of brought the book down. So yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be reading book three. Ashley's probably going to read it and then she'll tell me if it's worth my time. But right, as of right now, I probably won't read book three. Book three is coming out in a couple months, I believe. All right. The next book I read was Girl Serpent Thorn by Melissa. Oh, man, I just I looked it up to see how to pronounce it. Bashardust. Bashardust. This is a I think this is a Persian fairy tale world something if I'm wrong correct me and this is about a girl I read this like two weeks ago and I've already forgotten the main character's name that's how you know that's that's your that's your clue there guys um Soraya is cursed where she cannot touch anybody and if she touches people they die yay we're bringing that old trope out um, I gave this a two, a reluctant two. I probably should have given it a one. Um, the only reason why I gave it a two is because it had some um, diverse characters in it. It's the only reason, the only reason I got this book a two. So if you're looking for something with some Persian characters, then it's Girl Serpent Thorn. But anyway, so this is why I didn't like the book. Okay, okay. So this is one of those books And everything that I am about to say did not actually happen in the book. I'm just giving an example. So it's not spoilers. But this is that book where you have this girl who has been lied to her whole life. (sighs) Here we go with that. And she, of course, wants to be touched and wants to touch because who doesn't? And... A guy comes along and winks at her and now she's in love. Okay. And so she wants to break her curse. She doesn't want this curse that she has. So she, it's one of those books. It's a quest book. So she is like, I want to get rid of my curse. What do I got to do? So she talks to somebody and they're like, hey, you need to go find that sword over there. That's in, it's under under that cave and behind that rock and so she goes wants to go under the cave and behind the rock and she tells the guy no 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 I'm I'm strong I'm gonna do it by myself and he's like okay so she goes and then she sees some rando gross guy and he's like oh oh you want this sword well it's not here because um well it is here my bad it is here but if you want this sword, you got to go get me something. And then she's like, what do I got to go get? And he's like, you need to go get the elixir that is high up on the mountain that is under some snow. And then you got to bring it and make an elixir out of it with um, tears from a parrot. And then it will activate the sword. But First, she got to bang me. And then she's like, oh, my God, no. And then the guy comes to save her. And they get the sword. And then they go to the mountain. And they get the elixir. And then they get the elixir. And the parrot's not there. Oh, no, I got to find the parrot. So then they got to go to the clouds to get the freaking parrot. And then they get the parrot. And then they do, the, they do the elixir. And then they put on the sword. And oh, darn, it's not going to... Like, it's that bullshit. It's just like all of this constant questing and finding stuff and doing stuff and falling in love with people that are stupid and she's stupid. And I'm just like oh my God, this whole book is stupid. And yeah, I didn't like it. Um, I thought that this, that Melissa was a debut. And, And so I would recommend this book to a teen or an adult who is new to fantasy and who has never read a trope in their life. And maybe they would like this book because they're just not used to all the tropes. But she wrote The Girl of Glass and Snow, Something like that, which I believe was quite popular. So, yeah, no, I, I I like I said, I would recommend this book to a person who has never read a fantasy or is new to fantasy. Maybe they read one other book and they've never read a trope in their life or shatter me or something. And then they're like, Oh, this is amazing. She can't touch people. And then she falls in love. And then she goes on a quest. Oh my god, like, that's who this book is for. All right, I'm not gonna spend any more time on that book. Next is Burn Our Bodies Down by Rory Power. Rory Power wrote Wilder Girls, which I also read. And I gave Wilder Girls a three, I believe. I had problems with the pacing of Wilder Girls, but I liked Rory Powers' riding style, so I decided to give her another try. And here we have Burner Bodies Down. So let me click on it and find the main character's name because I always forget the main character's name for some reason. Margot. Margot Margo lives in a little crappy town. Nobody likes her. Her mom is weird. She's kind of the girl who wears the Salvation Army clothes. And she is ready to go. Her mom has not told her anything about her father or where she's from or her grandparents or anything. And like I said, her mom is a little bit of a scatterbrain. So she's like, I'm done with this shit. And she goes and she finds a Bible and she finds a name and she calls it and it's her grandma. And she finds out where she lives and she pieces out to her mom and goes to her grandma. And the shenanigans happen. Great setup. Here's the problem. The pacing, oh my God, Rory Power, what is with your pacing? Pick it up, pick it up. That's the problem with this book. It's too freaking slow. And on top of the slowness, the characters are not strong enough. If you're going to have a slow book, then your characters need to carry the weight of the slowness they need to be interesting in wilder the girls, they were interesting, and that's why I was able to stick with it. This book, there's Margot, her grandma, there's another girl that Margot meets, and a guy, and that's pretty much it as far as characters go. It's only four, it's only four, and the mom kind of is in the beginning and the very end, but there's only four characters. You would think she would have enough time to really get into it. No, no. They're all pretty mediocre. I thought the friend had potential. I've already forgotten the friend's name, but she had potential, but no. And then of course, Rory Power is a type of author that waits until the last chapter or two to reveal the bigness. Like she doesn't, she drops some hints kind of, but it's never something that you are going to think of because she writes science fiction and science fiction can go anywhere. So you're not going to predict it because it's weird. And although the explanation was great and it was like really cool, like the mystery behind this town and the grandma was really cool, but it was all info dumped in like the second to the last chapter. I'm like, uh. so this is the type of author that Rory Power is. Unfortunately, I don't like I like the way she writes. I don't like the execution of her writing. So I think I'm done with Rory Powers books. Some people have really liked this book. Pacing, 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 which is unfortunate because it was a very interesting idea. Pacing. Okay. So the next two books, I think I'm at the last two. Last two? Last two? Yes. Okay, let me get comfortable because I got lots to say. Alright, so I'm gonna start with The Kingdom of the Wicked by Carrie Maniscalco Woo-hoo-hoo. I gave this a two. I don't know if I said what I gave Burner Bodies down, but I if I didn't say I gave it a three. Kingdom of the Wicked, I gave a two, a reluctant two. If you are hearing noise in the background, it's my neighbors are really loud. Sorry. This is about... Good Lord, I just finished this last night. Forgot the main character's name. Emilia. Emilia. Amelia. is... Okay. So I'm not going to read the Goodreads description because there's a lot of spoilers. And I normally don't read summaries because I don't... I mean, I consider them spoilers, but if it's a... if it's in the description clearly it's not a spoiler because the author wants you to know it but I'm not gonna say it I'm just gonna do my own little summary okay so this takes place in like 19th century Italy Emilia is a witch and there are some other witches that are being murdered and so she takes it upon herself to solve the witch murders that's all I'm gonna say okay Here's the problem with this book. And there were plenty. Plenty. Before I begin, I do want to say that I did read Stalking Jack the Ripper and Hunting Dracula. I think that was book two. Stalking Jack the Ripper was okay. Maniscoco has an issue with shoving her feminist her feminism down your throat. And I don't like that. And so that's why I did not like book two. Book one, I could stand it because I liked the little song and dance that the main characters had together. I thought they had pretty good chemistry, and so I was kind of all for that. She actually has a really good quote in that book. It's one of my favorite quotes ever of any YA book, and I actually had her put it in my book when I met her at ALA. And the quote is from book one, Stalking Jack the Ripper, and it's, um, let's drink wine and dance inappropriately. I do not know why I like that quote. I just think it's really cheeky and cute and I love it. Uh, I think I like the quote more than the book, though. <laughs> Second book was, once again, I didn't like it. So I was like, you know, I think that Maniscalco has some interesting ideas. Creative. Love that. So I'm just going to give her another shot. I was like, this is, I'm going to give her another shot and if see how she does with a totally different series with different characters. Yeah. You can tell that I did like it. Give it a two. Okay, here's the problem with the book. Well, first, let me say what I did like, which is only one thing. So in this book, <sighs> Carrie Maniscalco has personified the seven deadly sins. So pride, wrath, envy, the other four. I can never get them all because I was, you know, you know, it's like the seventh worst where you get all six and the seventh one. You can never remember it's that thing which I think is really cool and these are these are demons I think they're demons from hell and they can be summoned to earth and it's probably a bad thing to summon a demon from hell to earth so I like that she personified the seven deadly sins I've never seen that before I thought that was really cool that's that's it that's the extent of the liking this book here we go with the bad stuff okay the main character Amelia oh boy this I have never in my freaking life read a character that asked so many damn questions I mean there were pages where she literally asked 10 questions on a page why is she so stupid I it's not that she's stupid she's just not informed this girl is 17 she is a witch she knows she's a witch she carries her grandma is like hyper aware of everything and she's like don't take off your necklace and don't invite demons like her grandma has just basically put the fear of literal death into her soul and her sister so she knows however she knows nothing like everybody had to explain everything to her all the time. She literally knew nothing. Nothing. And it... I'm like, is this how all fantasy books are written? Because, you know, this is a new world. And so, as the reader, you have to get acclimated to the world, too. But you would think the main character would know something. So, that she. I would rather it be info-dumped than what I got. It was just her constantly asking questions. And then here here's the rub with that so she's meeting demons because people clearly are summoning demons because girls are dying like witches are dying they're being murdered so clearly somebody is doing some nefarious deeds and when she comes across bad demons because I guess there's good ones I don't know she comes across some bad demons and they're like hey girlfriend I'm about to take you because you're a witch. I don't like you, but I need you to do whatever I need to do. And all she does is ask them freaking questions. Why? Well, who sent you? Well, who's that? And why do you wear that coat? And what does that mean? And blah, blah, blah. And, And I'm like, okay, the demon must be like, hmm. I have this girl who is dumb as hell asking me all these questions. She is easy for the taking. She's... she's ignorant she doesn't know anything so I'm gonna take advantage of that but of course she gets out of jams like all the time because I, I don't know why she don't know shit and it was frustrating it was so frustrating that that is what dragged the book down and so on top of her asking all these questions it's basically also telling me as the reader that Maniscalco's world is so big that even her main character doesn't know anything about it. (sighs) Oh my God. It, it was ridiculous. And if I'm wrong, and if you read this book, please tell me I'm wrong. I don't think so because I was at at some point I was just like, every time a girl asks a question, I'm going to take a shot. I would be toe up if I did that because it would be like five questions on every page. So another thing that Menesko would do is, like I said, the world is pretty vast, and so on top of all the explanations and all the all the trinkets mean stuff, and there's a lot of different people. There's needs to be a queen, and then there's a, a king of hell because these demons are only princes or something. But there's a, there's somebody who's over them apparently, and then of course there's other people that live in the town. And then there are other monsters. And so what she would do is um, Amelia would be like tr- trotting along with the Prince of Wrath. And I don't know how it came up, but he'd be like, oh, that's a that's a, a boo-boo demon. <laughs> she would be like, what's a boo-boo demon? And he'd be like, oh, it's the boo-boo demon, blah, blah, blah. He does this, whatever. The next paragraph, like, guess what? She's being chased by the boo-boo demon. It happened like for. Times she would be just like hanging out in his cave, and then he'd be like, "Oh, that's a that's a uh, that's a, a cocoa demon," and she'd be like, "What's a cocoa demon?" And then she'd be like, "Okay, bye. You gotta go home." And then uh, she gets chased by the cocoa demon. It's like, oh my god, <laughs> it was ridiculous. And then here's here's another thing that really bothered me. So this girl. <laughs> She would have to fight the cocoa demon and the boo-boo demon. And of course, she kind of had, well, no, she kind of didn't. She got saved every time. Somebody saved her every time, whether it was her grandma or the Prince of Wrath or some other person would come along and save her every time. And, you know, I get it. You know, they can't, they can't all be Katniss. They can't all you know, fight them and overtake it and get that. But at some point your character needs to be able to hold their own. And here's, here's the tip. Here's the tip for Maniscalco. If you don't want your main character to be saved every time, then give her some purchase, give her some skills Don't make your main character a fucking sous chef who has no other skills but cutting vegetables. Make her take karate lessons on the weekend. Something. Give her something. Otherwise, she's a damsel. However, Maniscalco writes feminist books. Doesn't wash. That was a problem. Next problem with the book. So the book starts off. Okay, And the grandma is kind of like giving us a little backstory. I believe the grandma's talking in the first chapter or it might be third person. I don't know, because after it's told in first person from Amelia's point of view. So in the first chapter of the prologue, the kids are like eight or seven and the grandma is talking and she's telling us about their little necklaces and they can't take them off. And she's really worried. And so there's a lot of tension, a lot of really good tension built up. And then. As the book progresses, the grandma's like really worried. She's like, "Oh my God, a witch was murdered. We're witches. Be careful. Where's your sister? Oh, she shouldn't be out alone. Careful, careful, careful." And then, okay, so this is not a spoiler because it's in it's in the the description of the book. But Emilia is a twin. Her twin sister's named Victoria, and Victoria gets murdered. She's a witch. She gets murdered. That's not a spoiler. It is in the book. And um, when that happens. Uh, Emilia, you know, understandably is distraught. She's like, oh my God, I need to find out who killed my sister. I will, vengeance is mine. And she says it like every other freaking chapter ending. And I'm like, girl, could you just do it and stop talking about it already? And she's like, I'm going to find the killer. She's like, grandma, grandma, what do I do? Help me. And the grandma's like, yeah, she's dead. Let's move on with our life. What? You spent a quarter of the book like worrying And worrying about them. And then when she dies because of something that you were worried about, you're like, man, whatever. (sighs) That was laughable. Next thing I did not like is, well, I figured out who the killer was like pretty early on. Because this book is incredibly formulaic, I knew who it was immediately. And I was right. That's all I'm going to say about that. And there was one other thing that I did like about this book is it's set in Italy and there's and she's a sous chef and there's a lot of description of really good food. And I, I didn't realize it but today I finished the book last night and today I actually went and got Olive Garden and I don't eat Olive Garden. I think the last time I had like Italian food was three years ago like I don't eat Italian food really And this book made me want Italian food. So because of that, well, I was going to drop this book to a one, but because I hated everything about it, but I'm going to give it a one and a half because it made me want Italian food. And I know Olive Garden is not real Italian food, but I do not live in a culinarily diverse town. So all we got is chain. So it had to be the Olive Garden. That was Kingdom of the Wicked. If you like... Carrie Maniscalco's writing I think you would probably like if you liked her other series you're going to like this book. I did not like her other series, so therefore it makes sense that I didn't like this book. The world was incredibly convoluted like I said she kept asking questions which meant somebody had to answer her questions and all it was was just basically expanding the world that was already confusing so I don't remember anything about the 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 world except for the the seven deadly sins were hot guys pretty much what they were hot guys and Maniscalco likes to do the enemies to lovers trope she didn't spare us from that one so be ready um yeah yeah I'm done with this book I'm done talking about it I'm done with Mary uh her name is not Mary Carrie Maniscalco I I don't I don't like her writing style, so I am not going to read any more books by her. But like I said, if you liked her first series, you probably will like this one. Okay, the last book I read for the month was, I'm looking I'm at my read here, The Year of the Witching by Alexis Henderson. And is she a debut? Let me see. Yes, she is debut. Okay, I gave this a book of four. I liked it. It is about Emmanuel, and she is the town pariah because her mom was a suspected witch. Her mom died in childbirth, and her dad was burned at the stake for cavorting with a witch. And nobody likes her because they all think she's a witch. But at some point, there are some plagues that start happening in the town. And she thinks that she is causing the plagues because she thinks that she is a witch. And so then she goes on a quest, another quest, to solve or to stop the plagues from happening. Okay. Um, So that's pretty much what the book is about. Okay, so I'm going to do all my likes because I had way more likes than dislikes. And the first thing I liked about the book, first of all, Alexis Henderson is black. The girl on the cover is black. And this world is set probably in the mid to the late 19th century. They are still riding in horse-drawn carriages. They have outhouses. They So they don't have running water, I believe. I believe she gets her water from a well. So this is an old, an older, the, the, the time period is never said and the location is never said so it's all ambiguous which I I liked and the characters in this book are racially diverse like they had like pale pale white people to very dark-skinned black people very straight hair to incredibly kinky hair and but They all just lived harmoniously in this town. It wasn't, had, their problems had nothing to do with race. They just lived there like, like, it was nothing. It was no big deal to be a different race. And they married, you know, the prophet was, I believe the prophet was black and he had white wives and black wives. And so it didn't, it didn't really matter. There was no mention of, of, there was a mention of skin color because obviously she had to describe her characters, but there was never any like, oh, she's white. Oh, she's black or she's Hispanic. There was none of that. Like just they just all just like lived as one. So I really did like that. And I think that's a good way of doing a world, especially if you are not white and you or if you're not black and you want to make your world diverse. Don't make your world about race. Just make them human beings because that's what we are. I always have to do a disclaimer when I do these podcasts for the new people listening. I am Black. I'm Dawn. I'm Bam Bang Books. I am Black. So it's just better to just not bring race into it if you are not of the race that you are writing. The next thing that I liked about this book is that it is got lots of religious undertones. Lot. If you did not If you are not like religious or didn't grow up going to church all the time, I did. I had to read the Bible from cover to cover. So I'm well, well, I was well versed in the Bible. I'm not anymore because I I don't go to church anymore. But I was. And so when things came up, I I recognized it and I, I looked it up. And YA tends to stay away from religion. So when it pops up in YA, I I immediately am like, yay, because it adds a new element to YA, which you normally don't get, which makes it nuanced, which makes it different, which makes it good. And so from the names like Emmanuel, um, the love interest is Ezra. That's his name. There are plagues. So in, you know, the Bible, there are plagues in the Bible, there are plagues here. The town they live in is Bethel, which is an incredibly Christian name. However, if you are not well-versed with Christianity, it doesn't, if you don't pick up on the stuff, it doesn't take away from the enjoyment of the book. However, if you do do know a lot about the Bible and you do pick up on some of the stuff it does nothing but add enjoyment of the book so if you don't really know like so like like I said I grew up going to church all the time actually okay so I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness and we didn't call it church we called it Kingdom Hall but it's the same thing so when I saw that she had to take a ram to the to the marketplace and the ram like attacked her I because I had to read the Bible as a kid I immediately knew the significance of a ram in the Bible but if you don't it's okay it doesn't take away the enjoyment of the book so I really did like the religion part of it I like I do not mind stopping a book and looking stuff up because I have my phone by me and I would constantly google the significance of a ram where does a ram appear in the bible what happened at that time and for some of them it was just really there was there it, she didn't really go too deep with the symbolism it was very surface level which is fine um I didn't mind that at all so I I liked I liked it I I like I said I don't mind stopping and looking stuff up for me that adds enjoyment to the book the next thing I liked about the book is it is dark It is a dark fantasy. I hate it when I pick up a book or I go on Goodreads and I'm looking to expand my TBR. And like I said, I don't read summaries. But what I do is I look on the side of Goodreads where it has the genres listed. And that's how I decide if I want to read the book or not. And usually if something says dark fantasy, I'm all over it. And for once, this was actually a dark fantasy. There have been so many books where it says dark fantasy and you're like, all right, this is a snooze. Where's where's all the darkness? But this book is dark. It has witches and it has real witches. Like one of the witches' name is Lilith. Lilith is, you know, that name comes with a lot of baggage. Um there is a creepy forest, and there is sex in the book. It's not really, yeah, it is on the page. It's on the page. Not a lot, but it is on the page. So it is dark. It is, like I said, this takes place in mid 19th century, late 19th century. So there's a lot of mud and you can tell it probably smells because they didn't have like running water and toilets. And it's very bloody. And she describes the blood a lot. There's childbirth and oh, it is it is there's a lot But I liked it. It was very atmospheric. It was very dark in tone. When she talked about blood, it was like, oh, that's gross. And just like the dirty water and just, oh, so yeah, it is really grimy. I like that. If you like that, you will like this book as well. There are witches in it. It is called Year of the Witching. There are witches, yay. And they are doing witchery stuff. I liked the... Kind of not kind of romance. And like I said, Emmanuel is, like I said, she's a town pariah. Nobody likes her. They think she's a witch. So they kind of keep their distance or they make fun of her and they kind of run away because they're scared of her. And the love interest's name is Ezra, but he is the son of the prophet. The prophet is the main, the main guy, the HBIC. And he is also the guy who has a lot of wives and so his predecessor or his predecessor the next person in line his heir I should say his heir will continue that line of taking a lot of wives there's a big old ceremony and then they cut a thing in your face kind of like Game of Thrones where they cut the thing on their, they carve the symbol on their head that's what I thought about anyway but Ezra Is questioning everything. He's not buying into this world and he wants to get out, but he can't because he's next in line to be the prophet. And so he sees Emmanuel and he's like, I like that girl. She's different. I like her. She's weird. Let me go talk to her. And so they have a really good friendship for the most part, they're friends. And I like that. Um, Henderson does not give us this booty ass romance. It's like a really strong friendship. And I was here for it. And she also has another friend, which I liked her a lot. Um, I thought the prophet, the prophet is the main villain. And there were moments where he was incredibly creepy. Because he was one of those villains who would just look at you. And you know how clergy are creepy sometimes because they're supposed to be this pious person, but they're really like perverts and it's just, and they just kind of give you a look And she's 17. And so he has a lot of teenage wives. I believe the youngest might be 16, I think, or 17. I don't know. And so sometimes he looks at her and that's, that's the type of villain he is. He can just look at you and it creeps you out. And, But I wish she hadn't made him a little bit more creepy. The villain could have been amped up more. And I probably would have given this book a higher rating. The villain may, I I like a good villain in my books. And so if a villain is not strong enough, it's going to reflect in my rating. And because the prophet could have been stronger, I rated a little bit lower. I gave it a four. I probably would have given it a four to five if. The prophet was a better villain. He was good, but there was room for improvement. This book is really feminist. Um, if you read The Grace Here, it's kind of, it's not similar to that. It's similar in the time period that it takes place and um, the mistreatment of girls and women, the oppression and everything, persecution of girls and women. So it kind of is similar in that vein, but that's kind of where the similarities end. However, it has the same tone. If you are not new to the pod, you will know that The Grace Year, I hated everything about The Grace Year. It was like the second worst book of the year. I I don't know if it was first or second, but it was was at the tippy-tippy top. Tippy top of the worst books I read of 2019. But I thought this book was far better than that book. As far as the feminism goes, Emmanuel, she does ask for help and she does get help when she needs it, but she does do a lot of stuff on her own. And she's like, no, I don't need your help. Ezra go away. And he, of course he like follows her and stuff, but she's just like, go away. I'm gonna do it by myself. But, and she really is, she's not alone because she has a grand grandparents. She lives with her grandparents and um, her grandfather's young wife and her kids, but she's still kind of alone. Um, so she does take care of herself. She's a shepherd. That's her job. And they're really poor. And so, I don't know. There there are a lot of... Anytime you have a prophet who's marrying a lot of young girls, it's automatic feminism. That's that's what we're going for here. And I liked it. I thought it, I thought it was handled well. I enjoyed it. All right, so there were only a couple things that I didn't like. And the biggest one was the ending. How can I say this? Okay, so Emmanuel was a smart girl. Know how characters make mistakes and you're like, girlfriend, what are you doing? And you just want to be like, oh my God, you're killing me with your mistakes. And she just made a huge mistake. And I was just like, really? Now you're going to make this mistake? Okay. And of course they have to make mistakes because that's what characters do. But it just seemed out of character for her to make that big of a mistake. I know she was desperate, but come on. So that bothered me. And the final showdown, I was just like, i I was kind of over it at the time. Like I had been reading it for a while. I liked it. It's not a long book. It's only like 340 pages or 70 pages, But by the time the ending came it was this book was a marathon like it's not dense but it's dense enough for me to be like I need this book to be over. I just need it to end already. It was kind of dragging a little bit and there was a lot of because she has to solve. She has to solve the whole uh, plague thing and so she kind of has to she has her her mother's she found her mother's diary and there's a lot of cryptic messages in there. And she has to kind of like do a lot of research. And so and also she has to do a lot of quests as well. So this is another quest book. And it's just all lot of this research and all the stuff she has to find, all this thing she has to do. And I was exhausted. I was just like, just get on with it already. And so by the time the ending came, I was just like, I, I'm over it. I, it was good. It's just me. It's me. You will probably like the ending. This is a me thing. It's not a book thing. It's a me thing. It was my problem. So you will probably like the ending if you read it, which I really think you should read it. The other problem I had was, I already said it, was the villain. I thought the villain, I thought the prophet could have been better. That was enough for me to lower my score. And I think that was really it. I think that was, those are my only two problems. Sometimes the pacing got a little slow, but not enough for me to lower it too, too badly. I think the reason why I didn't give it a much higher rating is because the writing is not what I consider to be good enough. I, I really do like a prosy book. I like a beautifully written book. I like a Baggy Steve Otter and I like a V.E. Schwab and a Taylor. And if you're familiar with those writers, they do a lot of like, they don't do a lot of explaining in their books. They leave it up to the reader to like think and make inference and pay attention. And I like that type of writing. Their writing is also very beautiful and very lyrical. And although this book had a lot of tone, an atmosphere. It wasn't beautiful. And so that's why the rating is lower than I normally would give it. If she wrote a little bit more lyrically, I would have given it a really higher rating. But once again, that's a me problem, not a book problem. Some people don't mind that they don't like it even. Uh, So if that is not important to you, then you're probably going to give this book a five. Like, I, I do think a lot of people will really like this book, and I think it would get a lot of high scores. I do have one nitpick. Um, okay, so this is the fourth, maybe fifth, but I think fourth book I've read, where it takes place, like I said, in, like, the 19th century, and this is around the time where ladies wore corsets and pretty dresses, and if you were a lady, you wore dresses. And there's always a character, a female character, who's like, I ain't wearing no dress. I'm wearing pants because just because you're a girl, don't mean, you can't wear pants. Like, there's it's, it's always that. And this book had it. Um, it's not a main character, but nonetheless, it is a character. It's a woman who's like, I'm not going to wear dresses. I'm going to wear pants. Fine. And I understand what they're trying to do. The author is basically saying it's always a woman who writes these books. And the author's trying to say... I don't need to wear a dress to be feminine. I get it. Cool. So the other books where this happens is Chain of Gold by Cassandra Clare, The Midnight Lie by Marie Rutkoski, and The Beautiful by Renee Adier. And so what ends up happening is that usually these women, well, not usually, the, these four books that I mentioned, the women who are like, I wearing pants, they're lesbians, what ends up happening is I think the author is fucking up their own message because these women who are wearing pants often take the quote-unquote male gender role. Because these books are set in the 19th century, you know, there were... The men went off to work. Women stayed home and took care of the family in the house. Men are tomcats. Men are... um Tomcat is such an antiquated term. They are ladies men. You know, they they have various partners and, you know, dalliances. This is this is how they talked back then, so I'm going to use their terminology. Dalliances that's not something that women did. It was frowned upon. And so when you have these females who are also in a lesbian relationship and they have decided to wear pants Oftentimes, they're the ones going to work while their lover stays home. They're the one who is having their dalliances while the female is like, but I love you. Love me only. And they're like, no. And so because of that, they're taking on a quote unquote male gender role. And what the author, even though the author is trying to say I can be feminine and wear pants, what she's actually saying is. In order to have a relationship, there needs to be a quote-unquote man gender role and a quote-unquote woman gender role. They're subverting their own message. Message? Message. And it's starting to get on my nerves. <laughs> That's my point. So, please stop. Just, if you want to tell, if you want the message to be, I'm a woman, I don't have to wear a pant, or I don't have to wear a dress to be a woman, fine. And I date women, fine but I also stay home and take care of the kids while my woman who wears a dress work or my girlfriend also has dalliances don't and I'm only saying that because that is how it was back in the 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 setting that these books are taking place now no but back then you know you were a skank if you had too many partners you were a woman you stayed home that's what these books are doing and so I'm only saying that because that's what these books are doing If you're going to have that character wear the pants, then also make them stay home and take care of the kids. Don't have them be the breadwinner because that is a male gender role. That's all I'm going to say. That was a nitpick. If this was the first book I read that did that, I wouldn't have even picked that up. But because it is the fourth book where this has happened, I'm starting to notice it a lot more and it's starting to get on my nerves. So, yeah. I think that's it. It's an hour long. This is a long podcast. Uh, those are all my books. I think overall I had a pretty good month. I normally don't have this good of a month. I gave a lot of fours. Still have not given any fives this year, but my day will come. Anyway, thank you for joining me. I hope I gave you some recommendations. I really hope that you guys check out The Year of the Witching. This was probably the better book in the, well, the best book in the bunch. Uh, I do hope you guys pick that up um it came out a couple weeks ago and not a lot of people i think know about it so it is published check it out buy it download it all the above thank you for joining me and our next podcast will be august 9th ashley and i are doing our first read along with the universe and by that we take a book and we read um my voice is cracking cuz i've been talking a lot <laughs> I'm I'm not a prepubescent boy. We read a couple of chapters and then we discuss those chapters. And the next week we read another grouping of chapters and we discuss those chapters. So we break up the book and we are choosing Midnight Sun by Marissa. That is not Marissa Meyer. Oh, my God. Stephanie Meyer. And it is the POV of Edward, I believe. Once again, didn't read the summary. Don't know what it's about. I just know it's in the Twilight Universe and I'm going to read it. I do not have high hopes for it because Twilight was so problematic. I'm hoping that Meyer kind of changed that stuff. We'll see. Uh, But you can read along with us the first podcast of the read along, which is August 9th. We will be reading up to page 200. We don't have the book in front of us, so we don't know what chapter ends, but whatever chapter ends around page 200, that is where we're going to be reading. So, Check out the podcast probably August 10th or August 11th and we'll read it together. Um, Otherwise, thank you for joining me and I will catch you in the next podcast.